Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. Hi, this is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business. Today, we'll be speaking with Greg Williams, who is the author of several books, a colleague of mine who I met in 2008 at the New Jersey National Speakers Association Conference, and we have collaborated on several projects since. Greg's name is The Master Negotiator, and he is all about negotiation and body language. Greg, welcome to the show. Why, thank you, Pat. Let's take you back to when you were thinking about writing your first book. And I know that you have written several, but let's take you to that first experience when you said, I want to have a book. Tell us about your thought process and how you created that first book. Well, there's a song that kind of encapsulates it. And that is, first I was afraid. I was testifying. Oh, gosh, I blew that one, didn't I? First, I was afraid. I was terrified or something like that is the way the lyrics uh, start off. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how I felt. I was afraid. I was uh, really terrified because I didn't know what the process was. And we're going back to, uh, if I remember correctly, 2005, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I had no guidance also as to what a book really should be. Uh, be assembled into what thoughts should go into a book and thus pat to be quite frank with you (laughs) i do not promote my first book at all any longer although i look at it as something that i'm proud of because it got me on the path of writing several books seven to be exact and uh, working on book number eight now so it's a process Mm -hmm. that uh, i say if you have guidance it's one that you have you don't have to fear Uh, as far as what type of content you can create altogether. And back in 2005, there were not many options in terms of publishing. You had a choice between putting in a proposal to a mainstream publisher or going to a vanity publisher. Self-publishing was not really easy at that point. What route did you choose to get that first book together? I actually had a hybrid of exactly the the first two that you mentioned, a vanity publisher and uh, self-publishing. And I actually, I guess you might even say it was more of the self-publishing route because an associate of mine published a book and told me the process that she went through. And I thought, hmm, okay, two things happened. First of all, I, I found inspiration in the fact that she published her book. And then by her telling me, what process she went through and the publishing house that she used to publish it. I thought I can do this. So that was the route that I undertook. And, and Pat, what was even more important at the time I looked around and like you said, there weren't many options at that particular point in time, a mainstream publisher would not accept a manuscript. uh, Even if I had really known how to put a, a good manuscript together. So I took the route of least resistance just to, get started. And that's the important factor. You must get started if you wish to 
propagate the world with your intellectual property? I think that a lot of people are stuck in that stage of saying, how do I get started? Should I get started? It sounds to me like your friend's example helped you get through that inertia. I liken it to trying to push a rock up a hill when you're doing your first book. You know, what kinds of things do you recall held you back at that point before you took the step? Uh, again, uh, again, not knowing the process, and anytime we are unsure of any activity we engage in, we have apprehension. And to the degree that you allow that apprehension to hold you back due to the fear of not knowing what may come in the future, you will get stuck in a lack of movement. That was the case that I encountered. Over time, though, like I said, once I saw that she actually published a book and she told me the process that she went through, that knowledge allowed me to realize, okay, I don't necessarily have to walk through this forest, this dark forest alone, fearing the unknown. I can now know that there's a light, a path upon which I can walk, and I know what's at the end of the path, which would be the publication of my book. So that gave me a sense of comfort and the thought process that, oh, yes, okay, now that I know that process, I can do this. You went from zero to one, which is probably the biggest leap. And then the leap, the next leap was book number two. Did you follow that same process with book number two of going to the hybrid publisher again? Well, it was somewhat like that, but the second time, uh, and this was a fiasco to be quite frank with you, I uh, utilized the services of someone that was supposed to have expertise in creating books for thought leaders. Went through that process, and like I said, it uh, did not turn out to be as well as I thought because it was actually an, uh, what's it called, collaboration effort whereby several authors, uh, or I should say several thought leaders, uh, contribute chapters to a book, yada, yada, yada type of thing. And as a result of that, you get all kinds of exposure. Well, the kinds of exposure never occurred. Uh, and at the same time, it was a situation where, yes, it's a book. I mentioned, I mentioned in it, but it really did nothing for me as far as expanding my reach to the degree that I thought it would when I initially signed on to the project. And I assume that you paid a fee to be included in that book? Yes, yes. And Pat, memory guards and protects us from time to time because I don't <laughs> even remember what that fee was. But I remember thinking to myself, well, we won't do that again. <laughs> All right, so your next writing project then was writing a chapter that was part of a group with other people. What occurred with book number three? Okay, now here we go. Sometimes you have to go deeper into the rabbit hole to realize, whoa, you're really going down the wrong path. Once again, and here's where the lack of experience comes in. I actually joined another group that supposedly, and someone that had been vetted supposedly also, that would create a book for an author based on 
the author's content, uh, just assembled content. Well, they did. They were supposed to create three different books uh, based on the different slicing and dicing of content, so forth and so on. I took that route and uh, got partial content that I later had to fill in in order to make the books more viable. But that was how I ended up learning all of that, which took me to book number six, book, which took me all the way to book number six. Did the books materialize? Yes, they did. They did. But again, the reach wasn't there that I expected to receive as a result of the effort I had put into creating that content. Now, I'll blame myself to a degree also because you can publish some books and then you know, Pat, you have to market the books. And I, I never really did a lot of marketing. But you know what? Let me back up for a moment too because now that I reflect upon those experiences, the one good thing that did come out of that, those books, was the fact that I was a multiple book author. Mm -hmm. It got me on TV networks to discuss how to read body language, how to talk about negotiation strategies that were being utilized by those in the media. And I got more exposure that way. So if I reflect upon the path that I took, yes, I went down that rabbit hole, but at the same time, there was an escape door uh, that may have been one that was uh, more beneficial than I realized right up until the moment that I just spoke of uh, with you. To give our listeners and our watchers, and our watchers are seeing this on our YouTube channel, can you give us any insights about what were the potential warning signs in that model for book uh, four, five, and six that you could recommend people pay attention to? In other words, in hindsight, is there anything that you could see that warned you it wasn't going to turn out as well as you thought? Although it sounds like you got some great results. You got some publicity, you got some exposure, but you've expressed some unhappiness with this process. And maybe you could clear that up a little bit. Right. And it was books three, four, and five, uh, just to make a point of correction. Um, the thing that really first alerted me with that process that, oh, something may be askew here, may be negatively askew, is the fact that the principles of the organization started arguing amongst themselves, and they started emailing me to ask me to basically serve as a referee between the agreements that they had with me. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is not good. Seems a little <laughs> odd. Yeah, exactly. And they also wanted me to basically disown the other. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys are fighting amongst yourselves. You want me to jump in the middle as the referee. Hey, what about the project that you're supposed to be working on that I'm supposed to receive these additional books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Pat, that was when I first sensed, uh-oh, not only is something wrong, but I'm going to have to do the extra work to actually get the finished product to the point that I need it to be. And ironically enough also, even after the project was finished, the two sides still reached out to me 
to send either testimonials and things of that nature. And well, when I'm through with you, I'm through with you. And I was through with them. <laughs> right. It, it would not be a group that you would be endorsing wholeheartedly to other people. Not only wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, <laughs> not anything at all. No way, Jose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I pardon Jose for a moment there, too. But yes, exactly. It's, it's always unfortunate when partnerships break up. Somebody wow. described to me a business partnership is like a marriage without the sex. Mm. When it is dissolving, it's just as bad as a divorce. And it, it's unfortunate that you got pulled into the squabble or they mm -hmm. attempted to pull you into the squabble and that affected your project to a degree. Exactly. And Pat, you know, once again, as I reflected upon the story uh, a moment ago and saw good in it, that's something else that I always attempt to do. See good in any situation that I'm involved in, because if you look hard enough at bad outcomes, you'll find more to lament over. If you look instead for the positive aspects that are contained within those outcomes, you can then see better outcomes. And I learn from lessons, as most people should. And sometimes it takes me a little longer than other people, but I learn from lessons. The lessons I learned from those experiences that I cited was number one, to make sure that you go with a trusted source. And I mean a source that has been vetted, a source that you know to be viable as a result of the experience that trust has already displayed through engagements with others. And well, I could use that as a lead-in to talk about exactly what happened with my sixth and seventh book. <laughs> Let's tell our listeners about book six. And I think if you're watching behind this, if you're watching the show on YouTube, uh -huh. you can see this book behind Greg of Body Language Secrets to Win More Negotiations. Tell us about that book. Well, Pat, I had a wonderful contributor, a wonderful editor, a wonderful ghostwriter on that book. As a matter of fact, she worked on both of those books with me, and both of those books have now literally been republished worldwide in different languages. Now, I make that contrast between the process that I had encountered prior to that time frame, and I, I got a little spurt in recognition, which is what I was seeking as a result of trying to make life better for those to whom they understand and be able to negotiate better while reading body language. And Pat, that individual, seriously speaking, without her assistance, uh, I probably would not have been able to gain the respect that the book uh, received in the world. And I got a lot of accolades as a result of that book. And you may know her, Pat. Her name is Pat Iyer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I have some familiarity with Pat Iyer. Yes, exactly. Now, just so the listeners don't think this is a contrived uh, infomercial or anything of that nature, I'm speaking from the heart. I'm really speaking from the heart when I say, as a result of having Pat work with me on these last two book projects, it took 
not only my writing skills to a new level, but like I said, uh, my, my, my purpose in life is to help other individuals. And Pat allowed me to shine through those two books. Not only that, the process was so effortless that she recorded. She recorded me, my insights, my knowledge, my wisdom, and took my words and placed them in such a format that the book, like I said, was published in several different languages. I started getting worldwide speaking engagements from it. And I even received recognition from Global Gurus as the number 18th body language expert in the world out of the top 30 body language experts and number nine ranking of negotiators and the top 30 negotiators throughout the world. Again, that truly would not have occurred had I not, and I, I honestly believe this, Pat, that truly would not have occurred had I not had your assistance. Was that a double negative? <laughs> no, it was fine. I, I okay. think our listeners have got it. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate those kind words. Mm. Tell us about the process of having a book agent help you with getting that book into a mainstream publisher, because this was your first opportunity to be published by a mainstream publisher as we followed your story from your first book. Yes, yes. That was um, an undertaking that I had always sought. But once again, just like with the first book, I wasn't sure what the process was to get a literary agent to engage a manuscript uh, that I could present to a publisher, a mainstream publisher. And so what did I do again? I went with a trusted source, someone that had been vetted for, in this case, his expertise. And I asked, who have you used as a literary agent to publish your books? He gave me the name of a literary agent that he trusted. I reached out to that literary agent. And that individual was the one that said, okay, we'll shop this around to different publishers. And he also assured me that he thought it pretty much would sell through one publishing house or another. And I felt good about that too. But again, it was the trust factor, especially after I had gone down the rabbit hole that I spoke of earlier, that I needed to feel safe in going through another process. And that's the reason why I used another vetted sources. Pat, the one thing that I have learned throughout life is if you really want to get to an endpoint sooner than later, Use someone, a guide, as it were, that can take you through those paths that otherwise might create roadblocks for you such that you know how to avoid them altogether. Mm -hmm. Boy, wouldn't it be life? Life would be different if we could live it in reverse and we could say, oh, I should have done that and then have a chance to undo. But we only live in one direction. So... so you are moving ahead in another direction with another book. Can you tell our listeners about this next book? Well, first of all, let me back up because we talked about body language secrets. Then what happened with negotiating with a bully? How did that book come about? Well, <laughs> negotiating with a bully came about as a result of the publisher reaching out to ask if I would write on that topic. And one thing that the publisher considered was 
the sign of the times. And what I mean by that was, or is, I should say, and I'm not going to <laughs> weigh into political waters, but um, there was an individual that was in leadership that had a bullying set of mannerisms, uh, if you wish. And the publisher sensed that with my expertise, I could address how it is that people should not only interact with bullies, how they should confront bullies, and at what point in time they should confront bullies based on doing so on their time frame when they have leverage or can use other individuals to assist them with the leverage that they could apply in order to make the bully react uh, in a less threatening manner. The publisher saw all of that within my content from literally uh, body language secrets to win more negotiations and asked if I would write uh, negotiating with a bully and I obliged. And uh, again, that was the second collaboration that you and I engaged in and it was yet another successful collaboration. And Pat, let me, let me back up also and say something, uh, a comment to what you said a moment ago. Yes, it would be nice if we could live our life in reverse and yet, and this is a mindset that people really need to pay attention to, and yet, even if we could live our life in reverse, some individuals would encounter the same problems that they encountered that may have led to horrible outcomes and go, well, you know what, I'm going to go through it again such so that I can see if I could change it this time. No, you're living in reverse. You know what the outcome is already. The point of that story is use a trusted source. And you don't have to worry about, to the degree that you otherwise would, what the outcome will be, because that trusted source will guide you around the dilemmas that you otherwise would encounter. Yeah, trust is critical, having the right mm. people around you. Also, what I just heard from what you said is that once the publisher was confident that you could deliver, the publisher came back to you and asked for a second book with them based on their assessment of political trends in the country at the time. So you established your ability to produce so that they trusted you to come back. Um, in my work with Lawyers and Judges Publishing Company, I discovered that the publisher told me, you know, there are, there are a significant number of people who send in proposals for books and they never deliver. And because I'm an implementer and a doer. That was a foreign concept for me. Mm. But I realized in hearing him talk about this, that this is something that plagues the publishing company. Those people who like the idea of being published more than they like the process of writing. And you established that you could give them what they needed. So the yes, they were going to come back to you a second time. Oh, oh definitely so, Pat. And that, uh, that, themes uh, being highlighted because a lot of times people will get into a mindset today to say, okay, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to apply two hours a day towards the book. And then the next day comes about or whatever time frame it occurs in. And it's like, okay, well, I'll apply those two hours tomorrow. Well, a week later I'll apply. I have a friend, literally that has been talking about writing a book, Pat, for 20 years. For 20 years. She and I spoke um, about uh, six or seven weeks ago. And I said, 
I saw, where does that book stand? Where's the manuscript? She said, oh, I am still putting it together. <laughs> now, the point of that story is, yes, procrastination will grab you from time to time, but only if you allow it to. If you have someone that can motivate you that says, hey, here's the schedule, okay, you have more of a chance of being successful with the publishing of a book for sure. Accountability is a big factor in getting mm. it done. Mm, Your friend so. reminds me of a, a man who my husband went to college with who's been, who told him for 20 years that he was going to start a business one day. You know, now he's retired from his teaching job. He doesn't talk about starting a business one day, but it's the same type of um, setting up a goal, but then not taking any steps to achieve it. The Is it... The, the fear of failure? Is it the fear of taking risks? Is it time management? Is it self-confidence? You know, all of those things can stop people from accomplishing their writing goals or other types of goals in life. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. I, I always say a thought without action is nothing more than a wish upon a star or something yeah. of that nature. Uh, yeah, I just came up with that. So uh, <laughs> feel free to use we'll it. We'll see it on a Hallmark <laughs> card. In about yeah, two months. <laughs> exactly, right. Uh, but but uh, exactly, a lot of people, though, I mean, they have good intentions within themselves, but if they do not implement anything, that intention dies within them. And think about the, the number of folks that could miss out on all of the insights that you could bestow upon them from which they could use to enhance their life that they will never have the opportunity to do so if you don't get that book out there. By not having that book out there, you're not only cheating yourself, but you're cheating others that could benefit from it. And let's talk about the next book. And I won't say the last book because I know you've got more books in you. The next book that you're working on, tell our listeners about the process that you're going through and the subject matter that you're covering. Well, I'll talk just scantly about it because I'm trying to keep that somewhat under wraps. Um, it's going to delve deeper into the body language aspects of certain authority figures throughout the country and the world and how it is that people can negotiate better understanding what body language signals they're actually receiving, even through nonverbal communications. So for example, if you can't see someone and yet you can pick up on the pace at which they're speaking and notice when it alters, you can still discern if you're astute. Now, you may have noticed that little pause uh, at the inflection, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. So you can still discern that something is going on in their mind. Well, what thoughts did they have that you either stimulated them to think about and or other things that were occurring that made them change that speech pattern. That's something to note, and that's the next book's content. That's part of the next book content, uh, such that people that are in situations that they choose not to be in, and notice I said choose not to be in, because you have to choose not to be in it before you do something about it, they will have the insight, the input, the knowledge to do so. And that's the basis, the thesis of the next book, how to negotiate with authority figures when you think you have less leverage to do so. 
Wonderful. And we all encounter authority <laughs> figures in our lives. So being attuned to those clues can literally make the difference between life and death. Oh, yes, Pat, definitely so. And even more so in life and death situations, should you become very astute at what's occurring because you're seeing what's occurring. And if your preference is more on seeing what's occurring, you may not hear as much as you should be listening to. And if you're listening to more than what you're seeing, you may be missing things kinesthetically about what you're feeling, what you're sensing, because if you are sensing some of that input, that could mean that you are subconsciously aware of what's happening, but maybe it's not making the trip to your state of consciousness. And thus you have to engage all of your senses when you are in threatening situations, because if someone t says to you, you better do this or, or, or I'm going to do something to you. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that, that hesitation says, well, okay, they haven't thought the whole thing out as to what they're going to do to you. And while they're in hesitation mode and dependent upon how they actually state it uh, as they're backing away from you, as opposed to moving closer to you or whatever, all of those statements, the statements and the, the movement itself, conveys different meanings. Uh, if they're saying, I'm going to do something to you, and they're backing away from you at the same time, they're not being as aggressive as they would be yes. if they were moving towards you. So you have to be astute, especially in dangerous situations, as to the body language that's being sensed, the body language that's being projected, and the verbiage as to the degree that it matches the body language. I'm going to do harm to you. Now, you notice I just backed away for those viewers that are actually watching this right mm -hmm. now. The body language said something other than what the words uh, conveyed. So that's all going to be in the next book, Pat. <laughs> what would be the most important tip that you could share with somebody who is planning to write a book and thinking about how that book would fit within the business model? Ah, Thank you for that question, because it gives me an opportunity to talk about my tagline. <laughs> and the tagline is, my tagline is, you're always negotiating. What that means is, every environment you're in leads to the next potential opportunity that you might encounter. And thus, when it comes to writing the book, think about two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, two months from now, how that process will take you from one aspect of your life and where you are today and help you get to where it is that you'd like to be tomorrow. Think about to whom you're actually trying to reach. Why do you want to reach them? What do you expect them to do with the knowledge that you bestow upon them? And then think about how much more content can you create in order to give, we call it the niche, give that niche what it is that they really want. Because the more you think about who your end reader is with the book, the more you'll be attuned to delivering what it is that they want. And if you want more business opportunities, well, you want to write the book from that perspective. But wait, there's more type of thing, not from a negative point of view, but always think about the end user reader. Keep that person in mind. What wonderful tips, Greg. <laughs> Thank you, Pat. <laughs> do a quick recap of some of the major points that I took away from this is that there's many different routes into publishing and you've experienced 
and describe several of them, including working with a hybrid publishing company, being part of a compilation book, working with a company that did some assembly of material for you and some writing of three books that unfortunately dissolved into a squabble between the principles of the company. You talked about working with a ghostwriter, and I helped you with two of your books, and that process being very easy for you because you and I went on interviews through Zoom, recorded those conversations, and then I turned them into chapters for your book. Your publisher was very pleased with the work that you produced. Those books have been translated into different languages and are being sold around the world, and that has increasingly elevated your perception in the marketplace as an expert in body language and negotiation. And not being content with stopping with seven books, you're working on number eight now on a, a related topic of body language. You've stressed to our listener that if you've got a book inside you, you're doing the world a disservice by not sharing your knowledge because there are people who need that information right now. And if it's trapped inside your head, it's not helping them. And the last point I think that is probably the strongest is to think strategically when you're picking your subject matter for your book, what is that gonna do for your business? It's a topic that you're gonna be living with for a long time. So make it a strong one that can then translate into other opportunities. How'd I do, Greg? Was that good? My goodness. OMG, <laughs> for sure. And what I was going to say was, my gosh, you literally just displayed your ability right there to recapsulate content, information, and then give it back in such a succinct manner that publishers just love the outcome that you produce. I, I, oh, I mean, and that wasn't um, faked. It wasn't, uh, uh, what's the other word I'm looking, what's the other word I'm looking for, Pat? Pre-planned? Bam, exactly. Now you see how well, again, this, this is not pre-scripted or anything. But, yes, but, but no, 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 no. That, you you hit the word. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the point that I've been making all along of having someone that's viable, someone that not only understands the publishing side of books or book publishing side, but someone that gets you, that understands you, that understands when you say one thing, you really mean something uh, differently and can more eloquently phrase it in a manner that makes it flow and have a greater impact on the reader. So there it was, right there right there for sure. And I'm not saying this as an infomercial or anything of, of that nature at all. But hey, they say, if the truth is the light, let the light shine. Bam, there it is. How can our listeners find out more about you, Greg, so that they can bask in your light? Oh, MG. <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> they can reach me. <laughs> okay. I can be reached. <laughs> I can be reached at the masternegotiator.com 
via my website. I can also be reached via phone at 609-369-2100. That's 609-369-2100. And via email at greg, which is G-R-E-G, at the, T-H-E, master, M-A-S-T-E-R, negotiator, N-E-G-O-T-I-A-T-O-R.com. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you being on the show. This has been Pat Iyer talking with Greg Williams about his books, his writing experience in different models. And I appreciate you, the listener, spending the last 30 minutes or so with us getting some insight from Greg as we've been talking about book writing. This has been Writing to Get Business with Pat Iyer and Greg Williams. Thank you, Pat. And remember, you're always negotiating. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.